Hello, my friends. You're listening to Repent and Believe podcast with Cynthia Smalls of Back to God Ministries. Welcome, my friends. Here we talk and teach the message of Jesus Christ, the only one who can claim the title of Savior of the world. We also discuss all things repentance and belief in Jesus Christ and how all these things tie into living a lifestyle where our deeds are manifested and fast and God so that we may be molded by the Father into vessels to be used for His glory. Amen. Amen. All right, so let's get started. Hey everyone, before we get started, I'd like to say thank you for tuning in. And if you enjoy my podcast, please share download, leave me a message or comment. Thanks guys. Hello everyone. This is Cynthia Smalls with Back to God Ministries. How's everyone doing today? I pray that all is well in your lives, that you are walking by faith and not by sight. You, beloved, are to never give up on the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. All right, brothers and sisters, in Christ Jesus. You want to know what this year's 2024 prophecy is? Drum roll. Repent. Repent, otherwise you're going to perish. Yep, it's the same prophecy that Christ gave when he walked the earth. And it is still relevant for today because I know many prophets are coming out with their annual prophecy of blessings, financial wealth, real estate, and marriages all around for 2024. Meanwhile, little prophecy about perishing if you don't repent and live clean and holy, that seems to get lost among the bishops, the prophets, and the seducing seductresses in the pulpit as they party, as they party you into the new year with all manners of debauchery and licentiousness. That prophecy of perishing, if there is no repentance, will stand the test of time. Christ Jesus gave us this prophecy when he walked on the earth. And we have it in writing in Luke 13, 3, because you see, beloved, what God, our Heavenly Father, wants from us is to be conformed into the image of his son. He doesn't want your money. He doesn't want your sacrifice. He don't even want your lukewarm worship. He wants our obedience. He wants us to walk lowly and humbly before him. Being able to be taught to be teachable, not arrogant and proud, 
not walking in nakedness, not sitting up on, no, not sitting up under false teachings and wolves and sheep's clothing who are clowning around in the pulpit and then want to feign indignation when the true sheep of Jesus confronts them about their shenanigans and tomfoolery in the pulpit. God wants us to be humble and grateful for what he has done for us, sending the Lord Jesus Christ to die on a cross for our sins, to be raised three days later so we don't face God's certain wrath that is sure to come upon the wicked and unrepentant. Beloved, Micah. Micah over here in the Old Testament because the question, yes, Holy Spirit, the question that is being asked among the religious, rebellious, professing Christian Christian is what does God want from me? Well, if you would number one stop sinning and act and acting like you ain't got no spiritual discernment at all, what he wants from you is what Micah told his brethren what the Lord wanted for them. The people in the prophet Micah's day complained that God was never satisfied. They snidely asked, Will the Lord be pleased with thousands of rams with 10,000 rivers of olive oil? We see this over here in, in Micah 6, 7. Because, beloved, you see, it was their way of asking, what does God want from us anyway? Some people feel, some people today feel like all of their striving to please God goes for nothing. And they too ask, what does God want from me? Listen, Jesus was asked once, which commandment of the law was the greatest? And he answered, love the Lord your God with all of your heart and with all of your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. The second is this, love your neighbor as yourself. There is no commandment greater than these. Amen. And we see this in Mark 12, 30 to 32, as well as over there in Matthew 22, 37 to 39. So what God wants is really quite simple. He wants us. All our service for God must flow from those two commandments to love or it is not real service beloved it is fleshly effort 
And Romans 8, 8 says that those who are in the flesh cannot please God. So many can just say their complaint about, well, what does God want from me anyway? Well, take a look at your life. Let's start there. How are you living? And this is why Paul was saying we must examine where we are in the faith. Because if you believe God is not speaking to you, you don't feel his presence any longer, and you want to know what's his problem. Let me assure you, beloved, God doesn't have a problem. If there is a problem, it is with man. This is why we must look over our lives and not be in delusion. We cannot be in a state of self-delusion that we still have fellowship with God, holy God, but we are living wickedly. And it don't matter if the bishop says it's okay. It's what God says. If he says it is sin, trust and believe it's sin. So if you are in the flesh, you're not going to be able to please God. Romans 8, 8. Those who are in the flesh cannot please God. So are you in the flesh? Because I know what's happening here. People are running to these mega churches, anybody's church, to get a word from the Lord for 2024. Because apparently this is the year to level up. Level up for who? Hmm? For the uh, Jezebel? For the whoremongerer? For the Pentecostal playboy? Who? who what year? 2024 has been deemed that God's children are going to level up this year. Now, I can tell you who's going to quote unquote level up this year. The apostate bishop, the apostate pastor, the apostate deacon and first lady. Because as long as they keep tickling your ear for this year like they did last year and the year before that and the year before that, you are going to, you are going to pay like you weigh just to, just to get a, a twisted, bent, out-of-context scripture that will seemingly allow you to stay in your filth. And you will pay to hear such heresy. So if anybody is going to be leveling up, it's the bishop. This is his year to get yet another Cadillac. It is First Lady's year to get another expensive luxury handbag. Ain't nobody leveling up but the false prophet. So first, God wants us to trust in his son 
as as Savior and Lord. So if you want to know what does God want from me and you feeling so frustrated that it seems to be no matter what you do, you can't hear from God. I keep telling you, the word is saying, check your life. Are you living pleasing your flesh? It's very simple. Are you still smoking cigarettes? Are you still smoking the weed? Are you still drinking like a drunkard? Have you have yet to come out of that remarriage when you have a living spouse? Are you still single but you still sleeping around having sex with any and everybody looking for love? Are you still nasty in spirit? Are you still a busybody? Are you a slanderer? Are you are you still gossiping? Are you plotting murderous thoughts in your mind about someone who did you wrong? See? All you got to do is find out what, listen, yes, Holy Spirit, simply ask yourself, what could it be that God is not pleased with about the way how I'm living? Or simply ask him, ask him just like you ask everybody else, what's your problem with me? Ask the Lord, if you, if you truly believe is something happening between you and God? Ask him. Is there anything that I'm, that I'm doing that is not pleasing to you? And he is compassionate and he will tell you. He will send someone to tell you exactly what's happening. So you don't have to be clueless. Mm-mm. You don't have to be. So he wants us to trust in his son as Lord and Savior. Philippians 2, 9 through 11. Therefore, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus... Every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Amen. Because 2 Peter 3, 9 says, The Lord is not slow to fulfill his promise as some count slowness, but is patient toward you, not wishing that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance. Amen. <clears throat> That's what the Lord wants from us, beloved. Repentance. Repentance. That's the prophecy. Repent. Not that you're going to get houses, cars, and lands, and a new man, and a new wife. Nope. Now, if those things happen in your life, well, hallelujah. Glory be to the Most High God. The Lord 
is patient, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. We come to know Jesus through repenting of our sin and accepting him as our personal sacrifice. When Jesus' disciples asked him to show them the Father, he replied, anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. Amen. And that's over there in John 14, 9. God wants us to know him and we can only know him through Jesus Christ. Because you see now, this opens up a whole nother bubble. What Jesus do you really know? Because coming out of the false church is another Jesus. That Jesus is just okie doke with your sin. He don't mind that you are living in homosexuality, fornication, adultery. It don't matter how you live. Just confess with your mouth, Lord, Lord, and just believe in me and you are good to go. But what about obedience? What about picking up your cross daily, crucifying the flesh, denying yourself and follow Jesus? Because the real Jesus Christ is not going to lead you to the clubs rump shaking. He's not. He is not going to call any man or woman of God to shepherd over his flock and have you rump shaking in the sanctuary. He's no, 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 no. And if any pastor, any bishop, any preacher man is doing that, Jesus did not send them. Not at all. What else the father wants from us? Well, he wants us to become conformed to the image of his son. We see this in Romans 8. 29. For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to, to be conformed to the image of his son, in order that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. Amen. The Father wants all of his children to be like Jesus. He brings situations into our lives to refine us and chip away those flawed characteristics that are in the way of our becoming who he designed us to be. Hebrews 12, 7. It is for discipline that you have to endure God is treating you as sons for what son is there whom his father does not discipline? Hmm? Amen. James 1 12. Blessed is the man who remains steadfast under trial for when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life which God has promised to those who love 
him. Amen. And beloved, before you even open up that mouth and say, but I love God. Hmm. Well, do you really? Because now listen, Jesus says, if you really love me, obey my commandments. Mm -hmm. That's what love for God is. Obedience. So I listen, I don't care how you tried to cut this cake eight different types of ways. It will always be about obedience. Obedience is better than sacrifice. Think about it. Those of you out there who have children, don't you want them to obey you? And what is the premise for this obedience? What? So 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 that you can be the bully of the house? No. So that they don't get themselves into trouble and get into situations to the point of no return, and then they end up losing their lives and worse yet, their souls. You want them to obey because you already know how this goes. No matter how much our children think they are just so smarter than us. We we will always have the upper hand. It is called experience, time, and age. And I don't care how smart these wonderful ones are, but they have not lived long enough to fully understand all the ramifications of their decisions and choices. This is why we tell them, avoid this, don't do this, do that, but don't do this. Same thing with our father. Why wouldn't he discipline us knowing that before we came to Christ, we spent our whole entire lives in sin and disobedience. So it may take some time to have all of that gutted out of you. But what is going to happen, you're going to bow the knee nonetheless, whether you comply now or later. But yes, Holy Spirit, there will be full compliance among the nations when Jesus returned. The Bible said every knee will bow, every tongue. That means every nationality, every language, every dialect, every culture, every tongue will confess Jesus is Lord. To the glory of the Father is going to happen. You, That's another prophecy. It has been prophesied long ago that everybody who was ever born into the earth will say and bend the knee, Jesus Christ is Lord. So we don't have to conjure up some prosperity prophecy 
No, true prophets of God ain't telling you about how God has three houses for you this year. No, they come to warn the people, repent, turn from your evil, wicked ways, otherwise you're going to perish. Only the righteous will inherit God's kingdom. That's what true prophets are proclaiming in the name of Jesus. Anything else deserves a side eye. Oh, yes, it does. Listen, as our Lord was obedient to the Father in everything, so the goal of every child of God should be, no, 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 must be, must be to obey our Heavenly Father what does John 8:29 says? And he who sent me is with me. He has not left me alone, for I will always do the things that are pleasing to him. This is the very words of Jesus Christ. The student is not greater than his master. So if Jesus was living a life pleasing to the Lord, I mean, pleasing to the Father, what it makes us think we don't. 1 Peter 1, 14 and 15 says, As obedient children, do not conform to the evil desires you had when you lived in ignorance. But just as he who called you is holy, so be holy in all you do. Amen. Beloved, many people like the Pharisees in Jesus' day uh-huh, tried to put the external action before the inner heart change. Luke eleven forty two says, Jesus was saying, but woe to you Pharisees, for you tithe mint and rue and every herb and neglect justice and the love of God. These you ought to have done without neglecting the others. Amen. Listen, they place all the focus on what they do rather than who they are. But unless love for God is our motivation, outward displays of goodness only result in pride and legalism. Mm-hmm. Legalism. Listen, neither pleases God. When you and I Surrender ourselves totally to him. His Holy Spirit empowers us to love God fully and serve him from the right motive. Not what he can do for you. Not how much money he's going to bring to you. Not because you're going to get married this year. Not because you got the uh, job of your dreams, the car of your dreams, the house, the boat, whatever it is. Because 
What's got to be looked at for real, for real, is why are you loving God? So, true service and holiness are simply the outworking of the Spirit, the overflowing of a life dedicated to the glory of God. And that is why, my friend, if we don't check the true motives in our hearts, why we do what we do, we are going to be on a crash collision course with eternal destruction. This is why, especially now, in this point in history, we know just from, from Bible prophecy, it is ripe for the return of the Lord. We don't know the day. We don't know the hour. But we do know he is coming. And we do know all of us have an appointment with death. Whatever happens first is going to happen nonetheless. All of us will stand before Jesus Christ. Will it be as judge or savior? So, when our focus is on loving God rather than simply serving him, we end up doing both. Listen, if we if we skip the relationship, our service is of no use and benefits nothing. What did Paul say over here in 1 Corinthians 13 verses 1 to 2? If I speak, if I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I am a noisy gong or or a clanging cymbal. And if I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith so as to remove mountains, but have not love, I am nothing, nothing. Amen. So the prophet Micah, responded to the Israelites' complaint that they didn't know what God wanted from them, the prophet says, he has told you. He told you. He has told you, O man, what is good and what does the Lord require of you but to do justice and to love kindness and to walk humbly with your God. Amen. That's Micah 6, 8. I believe that just very well may be the scripture for the year. All of this talk about, well, I don't know what Jesus wants from me. I don't know what God wants from me. I go to church. 
I read the Bible. I tithe. So I don't know how come I can't hear from the Lord. I can't understand why I'm so depressed. I can't understand why nothing is working out for me. All of this chatter about what God ain't doing for you, but what are you doing? Because I'm I'm telling you, and I am not the only witness. Christ Jesus, his two commandments he gave us is wrapped up in one word, love. We have been commanded to love, love whom, love God, and love your neighbor. And when we do that, I'm telling you, there's no wiggle room for sin unless you are disobedient. Unless you want to whine and complain about how you don't hear from, from, from the Lord and why things aren't working out. Well, who is truly the Lord of your life? Because you know what? If you are truly honest and you are looking over your life, look at it is Jesus Lord. That means, have you completely surrendered to him? Because the Bible doesn't lie. God helps us out with the devil. Even with the devil, he tells us what to do in order to get that devil to flee from you. And it is not quoting 10,000 prayers. It, it is not you pleading the blood of Jesus. It is not you decreeing and declaring and binding the devil, which by the way, beloved, all of that is not biblical. We don't see Jesus doing any of that. We don't see any of his apostles doing that. That comes from false teachings, pleading the blood of Jesus as you pray, as if that adds some extra oomph to the prayer, like it goes straight to the throne room of God because you done tacked on, I plead the blood of Jesus. No, that's an incantation. That's witchcraft. You are trying to strong arm God by pleading the blood. That blood is precious. You ain't got no business touching it. Just get up underneath it. That's it. That's it. It doesn't make prayers get any. uh, It doesn't make prayers get answered any quicker than someone just says, thank you, Lord, in Jesus name and leave it at that. But oh, no, no, not you. Prayer warrior. You're going to plead that blood. You're going to decree and declare the devil. You are bound. Stop. 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 That came out of, out of charismatic circles. Show, look, show me in the scriptures where it says, when we pray to the father, right after it says in Jesus name, that we also tack on for added measure, I plead the blood of Jesus. You're not going to find it. You want to know why? It's not there. It's not. Please, y'all, stop doing that. 
I know you want to sound so spiritually deep, but you're out of order. We have never been commanded to plead the blood of Jesus over nothing. I know I was taught it too, especially in that word of faith movement, in that naming and claiming and blabbing and grabbing. You can have whatever you want. Just plead the blood of Jesus over your body and you're going to be healed. No. No, no, no. We don't see anybody in the Bible doing that. Not at all. So, God's desire for us is very simple, beloved. Because people complicate things. Yes, they do. Tacking on rules and man-made laws that ensure frustration and kill the joy in following Christ. 2 Corinthians 3, 6 says, Who has made us sufficient to be ministers of a new covenant, not of the letter, but of the Spirit? For the letter kills, but the Spirit gives life. Amen. Yes, he does. And so, before I got sidetracked with you all pleading the blood of Jesus, stop it. James 4, 7. Yes, James 4, 7. God gives us what to do when the devil, okay, starts with his temptations. He said, submit Therefore, yourselves to God, resist the devil and he will flee from you. Because you see, nine times out of 10, if not 10 times out of 10, there's not a whole lot of resisting going on. There is no holding out against temptations. There, There is no being resistant to it. There is no abstaining, restraining, preventing. There is no checking of oneself. And then we wonder why our lives are chaotic, filled with havoc and turmoil. Because you are not following. Listen, uh, listen, I'm not condemning you. I'm trying to help us out, myself included. The reason why our lives were and for some are in shambles is because we are not being obedient to the scriptures. We have not submitted ourselves to God. So come on, let's come over here and do a word play. What what does submit means? Okay, it means to yield. It means literally to back down, give in, agree, conform, comply, surrender, obey, abide in, to be governed by. What else? What else can we say? Yeah, that's about it. Mm Mm-hmm. 
See, this keeps always going back to obedience. And I know obedience teachings are not fun. It's only not fun to the ones who don't want to obey. Listen, I can sit back for hours listening and gleaning from teachers who are teaching on obedience. I'm like front row center. I want to know about how to live a clean and holy life because I'm studying, I'm studying the word and it's laid out in black and white. And it is a blessing to hear others say the same thing that the word of God is talking about. It ain't talking about you partying and living your best 2024 year life. No. Because I know some of y'all clicked on this because of the word prophecy. Oh, yeah. The Lord has ha, the Lord has a prophecy for me this year because I know this is the year for marriage. This is the year for financial blessings. No, the prophecy for 2024 is the same prophecy when Jesus said it when he walked the earth. Repent. Otherwise, you will. You shall likewise all perish. Yeah, that's it. Ain't, ain't nothing else to that. Listen, beloved, it is doable. It is doable to live a holy life because many of us are striving to do that every single day with a complete commitment to follow Jesus and obey Jesus. It's doable. Yep, obeying Jesus means living a holy life. Because I know the term holiness has fallen on hard times these days. Just try, <clears throat> just try avoiding something that might be morally questionable and wait for it. Just wait for it. People will say you have a holier than thou attitude or they, or they will call you a holy roller. Listen, okay. The word holy itself is very much misunderstood. So what does it mean to be holy? Well, first, you need to understand that God is holy. Holiness is his primary attribute. While the Bible says that God is love and that he is merciful, only one attribute of God is repeated three times. In Isaiah 6, 3, the angels shouted in praise, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole world is full of his glory. Amen. God declares himself to be holy in Ezekiel 30, 39, 7. 
I will no longer let my holy name be profaned. And the nations will know that I, the Lord, am the Holy One in Israel. Amen. Listen, beloved. Holiness means to be completely separate. As we as we walk toward sinless perfection. Now we know we are not going to fully be perfected until either we die and go to the grave as a faithful, obedient servant of Christ Jesus to hear, well done, good and faithful servant, or he returns and find us ready and prepared as the bride without spot or wrinkle. The scriptures tell us that God is sinless and cannot, cannot tolerate sin. That is why it is so sad and disheartening to see many who claim they are speaking for God and they are living in sin. I don't know what is worse, that they are willfully living in sin or they are ignorantly living in sin. But then when you bring the correction, they want to rebuke that. Rather than saying, you know what? Let me go before the Lord and ponder what you just said. But oh, no, no. Here they come with the clap back. Scripture tells us that God is sinless and cannot tolerate sin. Habakkuk 1.13. He is perfectly pure. Amen. Psalm 40 verse 5. He is not like any petty or tribal tribal God. Rather, he is altogether great and matchless. Well, amen. Hallelujah. Listen, holiness pervades all of his attributes. His love is a holy love. His mercy is a holy mercy. His justice is a holy justice. His wrath is a holy wrath. Holiness is what sets him apart. It is it is the essence of his complete otherness. Amen. So while it's hard to wrap our minds around Holiness is the character and nature of God. And therefore, when God called the Israelites out of the bondage and decay of the pagan Egyptian culture, he called them to be holy like him. Listen, Leviticus 11.45, For I, the Lord, am the one who brought you up from the land of Egypt that I might be your God. Therefore, you must be holy because I am holy. Amen. Beloved, you got to understand, they were to be set apart, 
separate, different, special, and distinct from all the other nations of the world. They were set apart to worship and serve God and Him alone. He called them to be different than the pagan culture around them and to obey and serve Him only. And so what happened? Well, we know what happened because we have the scriptures. Over time, the Israelites disobeyed God and slipped back into the dark culture around them. But in Christ, God called a new community, his church, to live holy lives. The apostle Peter writes, don't slip back into your old ways of living to satisfy your own desires. You didn't know any better then, but now, ooh, I love a but now in the Bible, but now you must be holy in everything you do, just as God who chose you is holy. For the scriptures say, you must be holy because I am holy. Amen. And Peter was pulling on Leviticus 11.45 because he quoted from, from Leviticus. Therefore, you must be holy because I am holy. Amen. So we must, okay, for 2024, we must commit to a life of holiness. Because listen, beloved, when you <clears throat> when you came to Christ, he called you to follow him. Following him means living a holy, separate from this world life. The moment you came to Christ, the sacrifice of what he has done made you perfect. He washed you and cleaned you. From God's perspective, you are already holy. But now as you live, now listen, but now as you live your daily life, you strive to live out in practical ways who you already are in God's eyes. And you see, this is where we run into the heretical teaching of once I'm saved, always saved. Because they would pull on scripture to say, see, I'm already holy. I'm already, I'm, I'm already saved. In God's eyes, I'm perfect. Okay, but why are you still living in disobedience? Well, it don't matter how I live. God sees me as perfect. So, I got to keep begging this question. And I'm only doing it rhetorically because I already know the answer. The answer is absolutely not. Let's get the question. Wait, hold on. I'm, I'm going to get the question. Because you see... Paul already settled this for us about God's grace because he he knew he he knew the foolishness that was was about to come in the future time 
He says, what shall we say? Look, I'm, I'm over here in Romans 6, right? Verse 1. What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? God forbid. How shall we that are dead to sin live any longer therein? Know ye not that so many of us as were baptized into Jesus Christ were baptized into his death. Therefore, we are buried with him by baptism into death, that like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, well, we too, even so, we also should walk in newness of life, abandoning our old ways, beloved. We are commanded to abandon, abandon our old ways. So all this still living and shacking up and doing you and just living a hot mess got to stop for 2024. Let us say that 2024 is the year of commitment to live a life of holiness, living day by day, striving to enter through the narrow door that leads to that to that straight and narrow road. Because if we think for one skinny moment that we can be off on that broad, wide road and still make it into heaven, we are deceived. Once again, 2024 will be no different then 2023, 2022, 2021, 2020, and so on and so forth. It'll be no different. I'm listen, okay. Testimony time here. My life from the year 1968 until 2019 was the same. Sinful. Reckless, nasty, filthy, wicked, and vile. I was I was so deceived that in the year 2002, I gave my life to Christ. But what Christ did I give it to? Because come to find out in 2019, oh, there's the real Jesus Christ. So what Christ was I serving? Because living from 20, no, living from 2002 to 2019, claiming I'm a Christian, reading the Bible, reading, reading, reading my Bible, tithing, going to a mega church off and on. living in two adulterous remarriages and in between fornicating, smoking weed, drinking. It was a mess. Having a child out of wedlock. Listen, what changed? Nothing. Nothing changed. But I can tell you what has changed now. 
holy, righteous living because I understand like you understand God ain't playing with that lake of fire. And until you meet the real Jesus Christ who holds the prophecy, repent or you too shall perish. You're going down the wrong road. You're going down the wrong road. If the Jesus you are serving is not holding you accountable to the way you are living and whoever is preaching you this other Jesus that comes with another gospel, you're on the path to certain damnation. I'm telling you, get off. Get off. If you got to leave these churches and cry out for real, for real to the true and living God, repent, turn from your evil, wicked ways and come to Christ Jesus. Cry out to the Lord. Ask him to fill you with his Holy Spirit. There must be a renewing of the mind that will lead to a change in direction which will result in a changed life. Kind of find out is really simple. It's really simple. Beloved, as I let you go, we are living in some dark times. Without repentance, there will be no forgiveness of sins. Nope. Three times Ezekiel included God's call to the people of Israel. Repent, turn from your idols, and renounce all your detestable practices. Repent, turn away from all your offenses. Turn Turn from your evil ways. Amen. And the true prophets of God today is telling the people the same thing. Ezekiel wasn't telling Israel that this is the year for leveling up. Micah never said it. Jonah never said it. Daniel, Isaiah never even talked about this. Hosea never Zephaniah, Zechariah, not nearly a one ever told Israel that God got a blessing for you. God got some money for you. God got a spouse for you. This is the year for leveling up. No, what did they all say? Stop sinning. Turn from your idols. Otherwise, God is going to punish you. But if you listen and obey, then he will bless you and return you back to your land. It's the same today. He is the same God as yesterday, today, and forevermore. And I know many charismatics love to quote that when they pull it on how Abraham was rich. Beloved. As I let you go, I'm going to leave us with some scriptures, right? 
and let us get the divine understanding. Thank you, Holy Spirit. True repentance leads a person to say, I have sinned and prove it with a 180 degree change of their direction. Repentance requires true brokenness. Repentance is not asking the Lord for forgiveness with the intent to sin again. Repentance is an honest, regretful acknowledgement of sin with commitment to change. Repentance leads us to cultivate godliness while eradicating habits that lead into sin. Oh, beloved, you want the devil to stop, quote unquote, messing with you? Repent, turn back to God. You want your life to straighten up? Repent and turn back to God. You want to you wanna hear from the Lord how you can be of service to the master? Repent and turn back to God. Put away your idols. Put away your filthiness. Put away anything that pulls you away from Jesus. Put it all away. He told us, he, listen, the Lord gave us some extreme measures to take so we don't end up in a burning hell as we await the final judgment. If your eye causes you to sin, pluck it out. If your hand causes you to sin, chop it off. He's telling us to do whatever, anything that needs to be done so we don't end up perishing. Listen, scriptures on repentance. Matthew 4, 17, from that time on, Jesus began to preach, repent for the kingdom of heaven has come near. Matthew 21, 32. For John came to you to show you the way of righteousness, and you did not believe him, but the tax collectors and the prostitutes did. And, and even after you saw this, you did not repent and believe him. Ooh, the Lord Jesus let them have it. Luke 17, 3, so watch yourselves. If your brothers or sisters sins against you, rebuke them. And if they repent, forgive them. Amen. Luke 24, 46 to 48. He told them, this is what is written. The Messiah will suffer and rise from the dead on the third day. I love the gospel, by the way. And that repentance, verse 47, Luke 24, and repentance for the forgiveness of sins will be preached in his name to all nations, beginning at Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things. Amen. Matthew 3, 8, produce fruit in keeping with your repentance. Isaiah 30. 15. This 
is what the Sovereign Lord, the Holy One of Israel says. In repentance and rest is your salvation. Amen. Amen. In repentance and rest is your salvation. In quietness and trust is your strength. But you would have none of it. Oh, beloved. And then you want to ask the Lord. What you want from me? Because you refuse to repent. Because you don't really trust the Lord. He, He truly ain't your strength. You got all this noise of the world going on in your life. There is no quietness. You want to know why you don't have no peace? You refuse to repent and turn yourself away from this evil, wicked world. But you but you will run off to somebody's apostate church to get a word from the Lord for the new year. And while you're there, it's like a party at the nightclub. Beloved, my eyes are burning from the debauchery I'm seeing on social media about some of these mega churches and the foolishness that took place on New Year's Eve. It is atrocious. And these are they who claim they are mouthpieces for God. No, you're not. No, you're not. Not when you are playing secular music and you got the people gyrating and thumping and jumping and dancing as if it's the nightclub. You're out of order. You need to repent and and step and step away from ministry completely. I'm going to leave you with one final scripture. Luke 5, 31 to 32. Jesus answered them, It is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. Amen. Amen. Oh, my heavenly Father. Father, glory, hallelujah, hallowed be thy holy, righteous, good name. Oh, Father, I love you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you that we can go to your word over here in Acts 3.19. Repent then and turn to God so that, so that. Your sins may be wiped out, that the times of refreshing may come from the Lord. Amen. Oh, Father, and people keep asking you, what you want from me, God? And you tell us what you want from us in your word. And then they will say, well, I study the Bible, but do they really? Or are they being fed, twisted, taken out of context scriptures? That's the problem. 
Oh, Father, I know you see the shenanigans that's going on in the so-called house of God. Madness, debauchery, tolerance of sin. Where, where is the rebukes? Where is the chastenings? Where? Where are men and women bold enough to stand up and back the wolf off and say, get out of here. Get out of here. This is a place of worship. Away with your homosexuality. Away with your secular music. Away with your nakedness and your nastiness. Away with it. Is there any faithful in the land, Father? Oh, Father, thank you for another year, another day. This day, we can only be sure of this day. Tomorrow is not promised, is not promised. May we commit ourselves, Father, as your beloved children who are dearly loved by our Father in heaven. May this be the year, finally, that your children get on the straight and narrow path, live lives of repentance, lives that proves we have turned our minds away from sin. Prove it. Prove that Jesus is our Lord by following, listening, and obeying Jesus' voice only. And we won't know his voice unless we are in his word to to find out what he says. Because a lot of this godless chatter about what Jesus says is not really what he's talking about at all. At all. Unless we know his voice, we will be led astray. Oh, Father, thank you for your mercy and your grace. We humbly submit ourselves to you. Being moldable and teachable, not walking in pride and and arrogance as if we know it all. We know nothing. We we know nothing but what you allow us to know. And, and what you have given to us, we hold near and dear and treasure it like a pearl of great price. The gospel. Bless your name, Father. We love you. Oh, we love you. And we love one another. Yes, we do. We love one another. One big, happy, one big happy family that needs chastening and discipline so that we are not deceived and lose our souls. Thank you, my Father. In Jesus' mighty name, I pray. Amen. Amen. Oh, Lord Jesus, I love you. Thank you for saving me. Oh, Holy Spirit, thank you for your comfort and your guidance and for sanctification it's a it's a it's a wonderful thing to be made holy it's like what were we thinking what were we thinking 
Mm. All right, beloved. Repent and believe. Stop sinning and turn back to God. And Lord willing, until next time, I shall be speaking to you all soon. Let us praise our living God. Bye for now. Thank you guys for tuning in. I truly appreciate all your support. Until next time, I'll be talking to y'all soon. Bye.